Hello and welcome to Conversations with Jules and Ange. We are your hosts, Julie Smith and Angela Bleacher. We are two women passionate about helping others show up as their true selves in this world. We hope to support and inspire you along your journey of becoming the person you were always meant to be. Because the one thing we know with absolute certainty is that the world needs you. On today's episode, we are joined by Katie Bellamy to discuss how to heal from perfectionism. Katie is a licensed clinical professional counselor, a dance movement therapist, a recovery coach, and a Reiki practitioner whose approach to healing is active, holistic, and trauma-informed. We are beyond excited to have Katie here with us today, so thank you for being here. I'm so excited to be here with you. Yeah, thank you so much, Katie. And so before we dive in to um, perfectionism, I do want to just like share how we know each other. Um, so you and I have a mutual friend and when I was going through my Reiki training and like starting to talk about starting a business, um, he knew that you were a Reiki practitioner and connected the two of us. Um, and like, I, (laughs) I kind of jokingly call you like my fairy God sister because, Mm. Like you obviously didn't know me as complete stranger and you just so freely and willingly helped me through that whole journey. I mean, from helping me set up my LLC to how to run my business to finding, um, you know, space for me to rent. I mean, you just literally impacted my life so profoundly without even like knowing me and you know what I well I just think that like that is just a little glimpse into just who you are and how you show up in this world and every time I think about it I swear I just am humbled and in awe and in gratitude for you um and it's just one of those things we always talk about like the ripple effect it's like you, like I said, so freely without anything in return helped me and that allowed me to kind of step forward and, you know, hopefully help other people too. And it's just, I don't know, it's profound and I'm just honored to know you and forever grateful for you. Um, so thank you. And then of course, you know, agreeing to, to do this as well. I'm just very, very grateful. That is so nice to hear. And like you said, like the ripple effect that sometimes we don't know the impact of like, to me, I'm like, yeah, of course, I'll just answer the question if I know the answer or link you with somebody or make a connection. So that is really cool to hear. And it's been awesome to see your journey over the past few years that we've known each other and seen how you've like grown and developed and what your business has become. Oh, thank you. And I appreciate you. So Mm -hmm. Let's dive in. I'm really um, excited to talk about this topic, um, just even from a personal standpoint, too. So we're going to talk about perfectionism and then how to begin actually healing from it. So let's start, you know, just at the beginning with uh, maybe defining, like, what is perfectionism? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think it's a, a concept that like many people can relate to. This is something that's become a bit of like a specialty area for me just based on like who I've been seeing as clients, um, as well as like my own recovery journey, of course. Um, so when I think of perfectionism broadly, it's a pattern of thinking, a pattern of being, a way of being in the world that oftentimes starts as this helpful strategy or it's getting us through something, but typically and sometimes quickly turns into something that becomes a barrier for our peace, for our well-being, for our contentment, for our nervous systems. So this, it's oftentimes an external pressure that becomes internalized and requires us to be perfect or to be constantly thinking of what we could be doing differently or how we need to change or uh, what we need to let go of, take on more, you know, this sort of like overthinking pattern and pushing and pressure. And kind of you just allude to like this, this concept or this pattern and these, this thought pattern, um, a lot of times maybe starts as something that is adaptive and then can become maladaptive. Um, I don't know with your clients, like, have you seen any trends or how, of how and why this develops in people? Yeah, it can be a lot of different things. You know, some, for some people, it's like in early childhood, right? If we have high pressure parents or we're in environments where we're constantly, um, thinking about like how we're performing or how we're being set up or asked to do more or take on more, what, especially if we're not ready for it, right? So I'm being asked to perform at a level that's development, developmentally inappropriate. Um, so that could be coming from parents. It could also be coming from like sports or coaches or dance or extracurricular activities. Oftentimes those are like compounded, right? So maybe we're feeling the expectation from our, our grownups around us in a variety of different spaces. Um, and then that can also lead to like choosing high pressure jobs and being, you know, constantly being in these environments where we are being asked to perform and constantly thinking that we're not at our capacity. Now, throughout like people's lives, obviously we hold on to things if they're if it is benefiting us to some extent. So like how does perfectionism benefit people, but then what's the dark side? Like what's the cost of that then? Yeah. So especially when it's like developing in our childhood and we're in these situations where, you know, you have to get an A on every test or you have to perform better than your peers in this sport, or there's this pressure if we develop some of those perfectionism tendencies, it can help us meet those expectations and goals. So I feel like I have to stay up all night studying and then I do get a good grade. Um, or now I'm in this like high pressure job. So staying late at work every night might get me the promotion. And so seeing some of the benefits makes it that much harder than to untangle later but that it becomes like a survival strategy and it does help us survive in these high pressure environments. And then we hit a breaking point where our body, our nervous system, we're not meant to have that much stress and cortisol and adrenaline pumping through. So we do hit that burnout point. 
yeah, this, and I know you said resonates probably with a lot of people, but resonates very, very deeply with, with me. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, Julie and I talk a lot, like in order to heal or change or grow, like our first, the first step is always becoming aware. So gaining awareness, um, So how, I don't know if you have any insights into like, how can anyone who identifies with this concept, like start becoming just aware of its impact on their lives? Um, Like, where do we start with this? Yeah. Like you said, if even just like thinking about that pattern, if someone's like, oh (laughs) yeah, I can relate to that. I oftentimes see the awareness might be present where like, yeah, I know I'm burned out, but it's the internalized way of thinking around perfectionism where we have trouble going beyond that awareness. So somebody might recognize like, yeah, I am burned out. I'm not getting good sleep. I do feel a lot of pressure. I think everything's my fault. I have to like keep working hard. And then that's sort of the end of the sentence and the perfectionism says, and now what do I do about it? And I have to like learn a new skill or I have to try harder to get myself out of the burnout where the awareness needs to deepen is realizing that maybe I need to unlearn and unwind from that patterning. So I, as a dance movement therapist, I often have people start with like a bottom up approach because the top down of starting with those perfectionistic thoughts can be really challenging to like, especially if it's been ingrained our whole lives, it's, it takes time and it's really hard to rewire and repattern our way of thinking. So if we can kind of lean into the somatic experience and just starting to notice like, what are your sensations of burnout? What's happening in your body when you feel this pressure to perform or when you're staying at the office late and starting to see are there ways of soothing that, right? Starting with like some mindfulness, some breathing, some grounding to bring yourself into a state of awareness to then be able to bring in some of the cognitive rewiring. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's everything. And maybe I'll share like a little bit of just even my own journey with this is to your point, like, yes, I was aware of my behaviors, um, and perfectionist tendencies. And I was aware of how, how that was impacting me. I mean, even in college, like if I got, you know, a B on a test, I would be like sobbing for hours, right? Like, you know, it was out of proportion and the drive to look a certain way, you know, I wouldn't go out socially if I didn't think my appearance was perfect enough. Um, and so I, I could, I was aware of, of this in my life, but it wasn't until I actually started working with a therapist to go back to, like you said, to my early childhood to understand the beliefs that were the driving force of these behaviors um because you can tell me like oh don't be upset about getting a b but like that wouldn't change my you know feelings or behaviors around studying um you know i had to go upstream to the the belief like i said that was driving that um 
you know, and even for me, mine was like early, early childhood. You know, I was a slow reader. And so like in the first grade, I was labeled as like maybe having a learning disability and like was put in a lower reading class. And I, the seed that was planted in my head, I internalized that my performance was associated with my worth and value as a human being. So then it started to drive me to perform a certain way. So in school and athletics and appearance, and that was deeply ingrained with my value as a human being. And like that seed, like you said, was planted. And then just the behaviors kind of spiraled from there. So I think it's just so important, like you said, is when people start to become aware of just like these behaviors or tendencies in their life, that that's, yes, step one, but then back to even like your somatic, then we have to start taking the next steps deeper to understanding those beliefs and then go back and actually kind of rewrite and rewire some of those. Yeah. And I love that you're linking it to those values where that is often, you know, once we are aware of like, yeah, this isn't feeling good, or maybe the cons are starting to outweigh the pros of my perfectionism, but that it is not, it's not only these ingrained thoughts and way of thinking, but it's often a core belief, right? Around like, I do have to do this in order to feel worthy or be worthy or even be successful because it's so tied into like, yeah, maybe there is something about those patterns that did help me get the good grades or get the promotion. So really untangling from it's a, it's a root and core belief around perfectionism. And oftentimes people don't even have a framework that like there could be another way of being or that we could repattern and come up with a new core belief that still says I can be successful and aligned and feel worthy without the perfectionistic thinking. Yeah, that is so true. Like, yes, this is, it, it gets down to this core belief. And then, you know, when you analyze it and look at like the evidence for it, to your points, like a lot of this has, has driven my success. Right. So it's like, I don't want to give this up. And like you said, is I, I didn't even have awareness. Like, is there a different way to live where I can still achieve things, but that this is not now ingrained as a core belief of my, my value as a human being. Uh, right. So maybe like, how do you, or is there some steps, like how do you start guiding your clients into or through this process of healing and kind of dissociating their core beliefs or maybe analyzing their core beliefs to see what is true and then beginning to rewrite or rewire some of that. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you for sharing uh, the importance of therapy in your own journey, because I think there's also, you know, with these perfectionistic tendencies, we oftentimes think like we're the ones that are supposed to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Right. So I've got this awareness, but like I'm supposed to, uh, you know, get through it or come up with something new on my own because I need to be perfect and asking for help would mean I'm not perfect. Um, so I think like even just the, the idea of having some support along the way and going through therapy, getting some validation that in itself can be really healing. Um, so 
sometimes I will bring in like the somatic education and awareness to see what I see a lot in folks with high perfectionism tendencies is like kind of living above the window of tolerance. Meaning if we're in our window, we're feeling safe and grounded and our nervous system is present and alert, but not in overdrive. And lots of folks with like anxiety or perfectionism or these like high performers tend to have a baseline that's just above that. So we're always kind of buzzing, right? We're not in a full-blown panic attack where it could get, but like our heart's always racing a little bit and our, our thoughts are always racing a little bit. And because that's become a baseline, that just feels like normal. So a lot of the work starts with some of the somatic and bringing you back into your window and letting your nervous system heal and reestablishing a baseline that's in your window that feels calm, realizing that like overthinking or having a million thoughts going on at once or that self-critical talk relieving that that is a new baseline, which then allows the space to, like you're saying, kind of go upstream and see like, what are the thoughts that are driving and which ones do I want to challenge and which one is really hard to challenge because that's tied to a core belief that I have about myself. So the beautiful thing about like therapy and although it's like a really hard process that we can repattern those thoughts and change our way of thinking with time and with practice, we can even shift core beliefs if they're no longer serving us or feeling in alignment. I love what you're talking about the nervous system. And, you know, one thing I just admire so much about your um, approach is that true that mind body like spirit connection um and julie and i talk about this too like how healing just takes place on so many um dimensions and really tapping into that just can be so profound um so i know you mentioned a little bit too about that about dance therapy um but can you talk about other or how you use just different embodiment practices um, or maybe even some things people can start thinking about um, yeah. in their healing journey? Yeah. Yeah. So oftentimes it starts with like some education on the window of tolerance or on polyvagal just to kind of understand like what is our nervous system and how it might be operating and have people be able to identify when are when are you present and grounded? When are you feeling like a little bit on edge? What does that look like in your body? On the other end, like when do you start getting like a little checked out or dissociated? So really understanding and even, you know, similar to like you might do for like a feelings check-in throughout the day, like, all right, it's noon. What am I feeling? What emotions are coming up? Doing that for your sensations. Oftentimes we even have to start with like, how do I name sensations? When does my body feel like tight or tense or buzzing or warm? So really tuning into your body and kind of tracking, getting an understanding of where you're at throughout the day. And then incorporating, you know, some, whether it's deep breathing, um, some different grounding exercises. So it could be on a spectrum of like how dancey the dance therapy looks, right? Like could just be the movement of the breath and slowing your breath to bring in the parasympathetic nervous system to calm the racing heart or the racing thoughts. Um, you know, things like progressive muscle relaxation, feeling your feet on the ground, getting rooted, 
Um, maybe even incorporating some like more creative movement or dancing, putting on some music that feels calming and letting your body respond. All of that is helpful toning for your nervous system. And just like with any coping skill, I always recommend like the more proactive and more frequently you can incorporate it. You know, if we're having a panic attack and try to do deep breathing for the first time, it's probably not going to be effective because we're so like our frontal lobe is not available to then say like, oh yeah, here's this skill that my therapist talked about, but I haven't practiced. So I always link it to like dental hygiene. You don't wait to start brushing your teeth until you have gum disease. You do it every day proactively. So incorporating some of that deep breathing every morning, even if you're not feeling stressed out or doing a little bit of grounding or creative movement at the end of the day, even if you are feeling calm so that your body has those resources when you are in a more heightened state. I love that so much. And like one point you made is I love a lot of high achievers you know, maybe we, we run a little bit anxious, but that has, that sensation has become normal. And we don't know what, when our nervous system actually is calm, we don't even know what that feels like, or that that even exists. So just, I like, like you said, that becoming aware of sensations in the body. Um, and I, I'm also good enough for this from personal experience. Like also, if people are going to try this, like allow yourself to, feel things without judgment. Cause then of course I was like judging myself for everything. Um, yeah. you know, just let that be become aware. And then I, you know, I love also you said using these strategies, um, or building these just into your day-to-day life. Like I always talk about, I do things to prime myself for the day. So like you said, when I'm not even stressed, I do certain breath work, movement work to prime my nervous system. And then when stress comes at me during the day, I also have those strategies to address it then too. Um, and one thing, you know, so, well, I should back up you, um, you presented at one of our retreats and did a dance therapy session. And ever since then I've added movement into my morning routine too. And, you know, I'm not a dancer, but it is, it just feels so good to just let your body move as it kind of wants to. Um, So just incorporating, like we said, more of that full somatic experience has been, at least for me, very powerful and impactful to my nervous system. Oh, that's so awesome to hear. And yeah, I love the, the note of like, you don't need to identify as being a dancer or even being good at dancing where the nonverbal expression, like we're all movers, right? We all learn nonverbal communication before we learn verbal communication. We all know how to express our emotions nonverbally. And then that's sort of something that we kind of unlearn or we over-intellectualize and we become like floating heads out in the world. So like when you're reintegrating and bringing that creative movement or somatic expression, knowing that it's not so much something you have to learn how to do, but it's more like I need to unlearn to your point, the judgment or the self-critical thoughts and get back to what my body already knows. It already knows what to do and how to express and how to release. That is so true. It's like, we are made to move. Like that is fundamental to us. And it's, it's almost a unlearning or, you know, returning back to what's innate in us, you know, 
And two, then I think at least for me, it like deepens, like the more connected, obviously to my body, the more connected I am to kind of what my nervous system is doing and what is feeling. And, um, I don't know, I just get more in tuned to my inner knowing with that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And you can kind of like catch things earlier, right? Where you might be like, okay, I've been off for a little bit where without that awareness, it might take a little longer and then you're at a a point of burnout instead of catching it and regulating sooner. 100%. Um, Jules, do you have any thoughts or insights? Yeah, I have two, two takeaways. Well, a lot more than two, but I think you chimed in on them and like we normally have the same (laughs) thoughts. Uh, But what I really liked is how you kind of linked the feelings check in as an embodiment practice. And the reason I liked it is because uh, my son, Wyatt is eight years old and he is a high achiever and he is a very calm human being. However, every Friday we get like 30 papers in his, in his little folder. And if he gets one wrong the entire week over 30 papers, it's like, I can physically see him getting worked up. And I am, I'm a high achiever, but not so much a perfectionist. So I, I don't, I didn't really know how to walk him through that. Uh, So hearing ways to walk him through that and like do a feelings check-in because they're actually working on identifying feelings at school. So that's kind of cool that I can tie those pieces in as we work yeah. Through the perfectionist part as a kid. Cause I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't have the perfectionist piece. So I'm not really sure how to support, which is leads to my second question is how do you best support someone who is a perfectionist? Because like Ian said, like, just tell them not to worry about it. Well, that's not going to work. Cause he is, he is worrying about it. Yeah. Oh, those are great questions. And what a cool, like real life way to apply. Yeah. yeah, I love the idea of like kind of checking in, like, how is he feeling? And like, how is his body feeling where he might not know the emotion or there might be some big confusing emotions in there, you know, but mm-hmm. just, you know, like, or even colors um, for adults or kiddos, right? Like if you were a color right now, like, what would it be? Um, you know, does it feel heavy? Does he feel light? Like offering some different sensation words and, you know, how is his chest feeling? How's his belly feeling? Kind of love that. Um, and just like to your point earlier and like naming it without judgment, right? So it doesn't have to be like, oh, and you shouldn't be blue. You should be yellow. Yeah. Uh, Noticing it and feeling into it. And, and sometimes it's like a name it to tame it moment. If I know like, okay, yeah, I'm feeling embarrassed. Just naming that can lighten the embarrassment. And then I let my body move through and see, you know, does he want to like color about it? Does he want to move about it? Would it be, be helpful to take some big deep breaths? And then, you know, another point I would say in terms of supporting again, whether it's adults or kiddos, like at some affirmations. So a lot of the healing work around perfectionism, when we get into challenging or rewiring the the thinking and the core beliefs mm-hmm. is developing this, like I do a lot of reparenting, interparenting work with folks where what is the voice that they needed? 
to hear. So not like the tough coach that's like, come on, get back out there on the field, you know, where it's like kind of supportive, but also like, that's not quite what I needed and not like the super demanding parent or the threatening, right? If you don't get this, then X, Y, Z naming, like you're good enough. You're, you know, it doesn't, your worth isn't tied to this grade. I love you no matter what you're amazing. You can do it. You know, any of those like affirming statements, again, whether you're doing it for yourself in a reparenting context. Um, but I, I often name it like empathic accountability, right? Where sometimes the, especially when we're so in our perfectionism, if we're just like, I'm great, no matter what, that perfectionistic voice does not like it because it doesn't believe it. So also like, how can I hold myself accountable or how can I motivate myself, but from an empathic voice? So how can I do that without criticism or without threat, having this like supportive, you know, whether it's like a supportive coach or a nurturing mom or a big sister voice and doing a two first. So when it's for ourselves, I'll I'll tell clients to do the two first. So for when every negative or self-critical or perfectionistic thought that comes in, I need to have two neutral or positive ones to counter it. So the goal, maybe I don't even get rid of my negative self-talk, but can I have two to, to counter it or to challenge it? So with your kid, even starting with, you know, like really giving him some examples of some simple affirmations that you're sharing and that you, you are that how beautiful that you're like here in the childhood <laughs> moments to like repattern and help him right. lean into that and yeah, catch it. Anything else, Ange? No, that was so, that was so good. And it, it, like you said too, Katie, like how, like a real, that's so cool to have do just a kind of real life example, Jules. And yes, how powerful for your kids um, to have you and start implementing this now. I mean, it's just, uh, it's amazing. So it's really cool. But I do want to say, some people are like, I can never change, but we can change at any time in life. And like you yeah. said, you know, Katie, like the police for me too, like the power of professional help, like having that guidance, I'm telling you is everything. Um, and we are as human beings, I, we are amazing and we are always adaptable and we can change um, and continue to grow and evolve. And I just find that I don't know, so hopeful and powerful. So, yeah, yeah. And I really approach it with clients like it is your life, right? Yeah. So, if you end up not wanting to change, you know, I don't have some goal or requirement for you to show up differently. And if I can show you that there might be a different way of thinking and being that is like more gentle and grounding and self compassionate. So, I kind of see all of the work that I'm doing with clients from like a recovery lens. So whether someone's coming to me for trauma or perfectionism or substance where I can show you or provide some education and we can do some work around like, what if it, what if you weren't drinking, what life might look like, or what if you did release these core beliefs around your perfectionism and it is your life, right? So you do get to decide, you know, this way of being 
you've been in these perfectionistic tendencies for 20 years, 30 years, whatever it is. So let's see what does the unlearning look like? And if you do the work and you're like, no, you know what? I miss being a perfectionist or I miss drinking every single night or whatever it is. Like you do get to decide what your life looks like and how it feels. And you, you get to set the pace with which we're exploring and, you know, trying on some change and different things. Um, So I think that that's also important to remember that you do have like agency and to allow yourself to consider maybe there is a different, more peaceful way of being. I love that point. That's, that's so good. Katie, thank you so much for coming on here. You shared, I feel like one mic drop after another was so Uh, good. Yeah. I hope some things were helpful or just to, you know, start considering and releasing some of those high pressure thoughts. Yeah. Where can, what's the best place for people to find you? Yeah. So folks can find me, my website's just my name, katie-bellamy.com. Um, I also have a lovely team working for me. They're doing some really great work as well. And then I'm on Instagram and Facebook, Katie Bellamy Therapy. Love it. Your awesome. stuff on, on Instagram is so good too. I love it. I just wanted to tell you that. Yeah, yeah. we'll link all that in the, in the show notes too. Um, well, thank you again, Katie. Seriously, you are just amazing and obviously have impacted my life and you impact this world so profoundly. So honored to know you and so, so grateful to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. This was really amazing to get to chat with you both. And thank you for what you're doing and putting out in the world. It's really meaningful. I appreciate that. All right. And thank you everyone for joining us today. If you like our content, please be sure to subscribe, rate and review the show and share it with a friend. All right. We are signing off. Love, Jules and Ange.